Hi everyone, and welcome to the 123rd episode of Kingdom Hearts Union. I'm your host, Brandon, and I'm here with Churro! Hi guys. Oh man, you're back. Yes, unfortunately. I had a a blast, but like not what you think it was. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. Crazy E3. So, uh, yeah, so this episode, it's gonna be our E3 wrap-up episode. We're gonna be talking about uh, what we thought about the stuff at E3, and uh, we'll, we'll get churro's hot takes on what he thought of e3 it sounds like e3 was like crazy this year so uh definitely tune in for that so anyway for you new folks kingdom hearts union is part of the podcast series called final fantasy and kingdom hearts union and is presented by the gaming union network we release every tuesday rotating each week with final fantasy union and we come out on the itunes store kingdom hearts union and uh, kingdom hearts union.com and Kingdom Hearts Ultimania's Twitter, which is at KHUltimania, and UltimateWeapon.com's Twitter, which is at UltimateWeapon.com. All right, we have a two-segment show today. First, we've got our E3 wrap-up, and second, we have questions. In the way of announcements, as always, if you guys like the show, please consider supporting us on Patreon at Patreon.com slash FFKHUnion. Just pledge a dollar and get access to a special podcast called Please Be Excited. Our Patreon executive producers for this episode are Barry Norton, who is at Nortron Zero, Christian Burge, Joe Tremonti, who is at JC Tremonti, Louis James, Satria Jacha Zudarma, who is at Satria625 Rubin, Chris Morales, Brian McArdle, who is at DarthBrain992, uh, Eric Decker, who is at Chaco Taco, uh, Harley Crawley, who is at DarkZT Okami, Jonathan Gonzalez, who is at Oh It's Just Johnny. Josh McNabb, who is at J2K9. Michael Graham. Rachel, Rachel Casterton, who is at Oriba Yoon Ray. Thorin Bullen, who is at Massacre23. Tyson Wildman, who is at Ty Wildman1. Zach Duranto, who is at ZDuranto58. And Churro, can you take these last ones? All right, we got Billy Jackson at underscore Billy Jackson. Darren Matthews at Doomster73. John McCree, Joseph Robertson at Pokemon Trainer J, Keith Field at The Mighty Keith, Mario Herker, Mike Shirley Donnelly at Curious Quail, Mohamed Quayam, Nico Gonzalez at Nick underscore Knack 95, Perry Ramstead at, at The underscore Bernie underscore Bro, Vita Nitas at V underscore Tron 5000, Zach Porter at Porter Paradox, and Zelda clone at apes type novels. And as always, be a part of the show. Send us your questions to khuquestions at gmail.com. So if you guys have any hot takes about E3 or any questions or just anything that you guys want us to talk about, please send us those in the form of a question to khuquestions at gmail.com. Anyway, so as for our E3 wrap-up segment, we're going to get right to it. So there's a lot of stuff that went down at E3. And uh, let's let's get talking about it. So the first thing uh, I want to talk about is probably the s- smallest thing, but I think probably one of the most interesting and unexpected things to come out of E3 when it came to Kingdom Hearts. So uh, first thing is there was a patch announced for Kingdom Hearts 1.5 and 2.5 that have added in some long-needed additions that we have been waiting for for so long and didn't even know we were missing them well for some of them we didn't know we were missing so the first thing is 
they added a theater mode to Kingdom Hearts 1. Whoa! What? Well, like impossible, but the way they did it is kind of interesting. So, the deal is, uh, for, for those of you who don't know, is if you finish a Kingdom Hearts game, at the end of the game, uh, if you go to the start menu on a lot of these Kingdom Hearts games, minus Kingdom Hearts 1 uh, up until now, you could go, there was a, a new menu that, opened up called theater and you can go in there and you can watch all the cutscenes from the game so you can basically see all the story related videos of the game uh after it so if you ever needed to let's say brush up on a kingdom hearts game and you wanted to watch you wanted to go through all the kingdom hearts games before a a new game comes out you can just go Open up your Kingdom Hearts game, go to the theater mode, and just watch the cutscenes, and you get the story, and you'll you know you'll be caught up on that game, and then you can move on, and uh, you know you don't have to play through an entire you know thirty forty hours of a game. You can just sit down and watch like maybe I don't know eight hours, <laughs> eight hours of cutscenes. <laughs> it's still long. It's but so it's, it's, it's really not handy. as yeah it, it it's really handy. Or, or if you just wanted to watch like one scene. Like one, like a special scene, you can just do that and save a lot of time. So uh, the thing is, to make this happen on a technical level for a typical Kingdom Hearts game, the way they have to do it is they have to set these flags in the game that allow you to trigger these cutscenes without actually being, uh, without actually playing the game, and so the game needs to be designed from the beginning to have these things in it. Uh, or they have to go back in, crack open the old game code, and somehow add in the tags or the flags or you know whatever you want to call them, so that you know they can be linked to from the menu in the theater mode. So uh, Kingdom Hearts Two uh, Final Mix was the first game to have this feature added in, uh, and even though the game wasn't designed from the beginning to have this feature, because it was a Kingdom Hearts Final Mix game. Uh, it was still very uh, close to the original release of the old game, so they still had access to all the source code. You know, nothing was lost. Like the Kingdom Hearts Two team literally went from Kingdom Hearts Two development to Kingdom Hearts Two point Kingdom Hearts Two Final Mix development, and because of that, they still have access to all the original source code and source material. So. It's at, they can add those flags in as if they were there from the beginning. That's fine. Uh, and from Kingdom Hearts 2 Final Mix onward, all games uh, had, this, had this feature added in. Uh, unfortunately, Kingdom Hearts 1 did not get this treatment because the last... Uh, the next time they would touch that property, Kingdom Hearts 1, would be on the PlayStation 3. And uh, at that point, they didn't have access to the original source code. So they really couldn't add in like new features like that. So instead, or, or, or they just didn't think of it, or it was too complicated, or you know whatever, whatever the reason was, they didn't add it in. Now, they did finally add it in as a patch for the PlayStation 4 version... But the way they did it is a little novel, and you'll notice it based on the file size of the of the actual download of this patch. So this patch is like 10 gigabytes, and the reason wow. is 9.9 of those gigabytes of this patch is 
video files, video recordings of all the cutscenes from Kingdom Hearts 1. So basically, they recorded all the cutscenes as videos and added them added those videos in as a patch and then you when you're in the theater mode, you're just pressing play on the videos these video files now typically kingdom hearts cutscenes are done in real time they're uh, or at least kingdom hearts one kingdom hearts one's cutscenes most of them are real-time cutscenes which means there are actual live 3d models in the game that are animating that you know there's logic there's programming there's animation data behind that this is not a compressed video file it's not an mp4 that you're watching when you're watching kingdom hearts these are effectively like quote-unquote live actors performing a pre-programmed cutscene for you so that's what you're seeing you know whenever you hear real-time cutscene that's what that is there are actual 3d models that you are seeing on screen that are being told to animate in front of you for you uh those cutscenes are actually very uh low in file size generally uh w- which is interesting because we'll, we'll talk about an- another cutscene that was added in this uh later which is a different that t- tackles this whole thing in a different way uh so the uh so the cutscenes generally it- it's a they are live 3d models that are live animating in front of you so because of that the file size is very low. You just have 3D models and then you have data that explains what they're supposed to be doing in each scene. So those files tend to be very small. Whereas with pre-rendered cutscenes or recorded cutscenes, these are video files. That means every uh, every pixel on the screen is has to be uh, you know encoded into you know frame by frame data for a video. Uh, that's a lot of data, and that's why they're so big. That's why DVDs are, or uh, Blu-rays are like 25 gigabytes for just a movie because that's how much data you need for a high-definition movie. So the reason why this whole big patch is so big is because those videos take up a lot of space. Uh, if you look at, uh, for example, uh, the PC release of Final Fantasy XIII, uh, the PC releases like something crazy, like 60 gigabytes. Uh, and the reason it's 60 gigabytes beyond what even a Blu-ray could hold is because they included both the Japanese sets of the full motion videos and the English sets of the full motion videos and, uh, each chunk of those. So all the full motion videos in Final Fantasy 13, all those beautiful high definition videos comes out to for one language comes out to 20 gigs which is insane so that just gives you an idea on the scale and the scope of how big video files are and how heavy they are uh generally if you have a if you have a game that is that has a lot of these video cutscenes, most of the disc will be taken up by those videos which so, is why they added in as like a separate patch nowadays yeah yeah exactly so that's that's why they did it that way and yeah so basically the reason is this entire theater mode is constructed outside of the game. It's constructed within the menu of the start screen. It is not, it's not like the other theater modes where it's like you're clicking on an option, which is basically a link to you loading assets from the game. There are no assets from the game being loaded here in this theater mode. These assets exist entirely outside of the game. These are just video files that you're playing. So, Basically, store uh, uh, Square Enix put in a YouTube playlist into 
into Kingdom Hearts One, and that's your theater mode. I know well, it's a long, uh, it's a, a long drawn out explanation, but that's what it is. So if you wanted to know, now you know. So are we are we gonna expect Kingdom Hearts Two later on? Uh, no, we don't have to. Kingdom Hearts Two's already got a theater mode, so oh. yeah, we're fine. Like all all the other games have theater modes, so we don't need this kind of a patch. It, it was just that because Kingdom Hearts One was so old, and they didn't have the ability to. Well, they probably could have done it, but it would have been such a pain to do and it'd take a lot more time than is uh than they have budget for in a patch. Like in the scope of a patch, there's not much effort you can put into doing this sort of thing. So for a patch, this is the best they could do, which is the brute force method of let's just record all the cutscenes as high definition videos and let the player be able to play the video. Put in a video player and be done with it. And that's what they did. So that's what you got. And all the other games, they're fine because they're either already pre-rendered, like, you know, uh, back cover, or they, uh, you know, they're just, you know, you have access to the actual live data from the game, like in Kingdom Hearts 2, where, you know, if you just press press the you know option for a cutscene, what it'll do is it'll load that cutscene data from the game and it'll load in all the 3d models it'll load in the background it'll load in everything all the animation data all the voice acting it's all there for you live and the uh the models will perform for you in uh, live for you and you know it it may look no different from uh, an hd video recording of it but it is different those are actual 3d models that are performing in front of you it's like it's like you loaded up puppets and there are puppets performing for you that's what a real-time cutscene is is there are actual models performing for you whereas a video it's just a recording of that performance so it's it's a it's a slight distinction but it it does make a real big deal uh when it comes to like production because you know you got to consider file size and that's why this thing's so big anyway the 358 over two days cutscene uh which was also added in this patch is different because this is uh i believe this one's live and if it's not live, then man, that's a pretty small file size for a pre-rendered cutscene. But yeah, this basically just adds in a cutscene, uh, which adds in a battle scene uh, at the end of the at the day three fifty seven. Yeah, day free, day three fifty seven. It's pretty good. Uh, y- you can tell that they didn't have like a huge budget for this cutscene, but at least they they wrapped up that that very strange transition that they had to make because they decided not to animate any battle scenes uh the, it does make me a little sad though because them animating this cutscene kind of makes me feel like oh does that mean this is goodbye for 358 over 2 and you're never gonna make the actual game because like it always struck me as so they made the cutscenes so that later they could they made just the cutscenes so that later they could make the gameplay. But now this is the first cutscene that they made for this game that was created in replacement of gameplay. And that's kind of sad. <laughs> so, I don't know. I don't know what the likelihood of us ever getting a, a proper remake of 358 Days Over 2 was, but like to me this cutscene is like it's not going to happen. <laughs> Which is fine. Like I, I, I think they should move on to new things. But like, man, it's kind of sad. I want to play deep dive. Oh, well, I know you do. <laughs> we we'll all know Brandon. 
You've been saying we'll, that for how many years now? I know. We'll make it happen somehow, somehow, some way. Brandon, you're a game developer, aren't you? I, let, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's get let's me hired it. at Square. I, let's make me the new Supreme Director at Square, and we will just make Deep Dive the game. And it will be a VR experience. And I want you all to throw up as you run up the building. And then it is, or, or it is your destiny. It's to Riku's perspective, and you're falling down. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That take that head scratcher in vr what if what if like you're one character and then your camera literally pops out of your head and then transitions to the head of another character live in front of you and it it doesn't it doesn't make a cut it just transitions and oh man the barfs the barfs that will be had will be great yeah you can't there ain't no barf like a vr barf because a vr barf don't stop there you go. Well anyway, move, move, moving on from VR barfs to to uh, barfs of excitement because the next big announcement, the next big thing, the thing that everybody is clamoring about, the new Kingdom Hearts 3 trailer that was Yay. shown at the orchestra. Yay! Yay! So, uh, yeah, there was a new trailer. It's called the Orchestra, orchestra Trailer. Uh, uh, so, yeah, it was uh, premiered at the orchestra. And it showed a lot of stuff from Olympus Coliseum. Uh, we have characters like Hades, Maleficent, and Pete all making their first appearances in uh, in Unreal Engine 4 in Kingdom Hearts 3 footage. Uh, and they're all talking about this mysterious black box. Uh, now, I, I'm pretty sure I know kind of what they're referring to with this black box. But like, I think it's kind of tied to the only other black box we've seen which is like the whole deal with uh uh s- spoiler stuff we saw in back cover yep so i think it's probably related to that but i guess this is sort of hinting that oh there might not be just one black box and maybe all the world have all the worlds have black boxes is 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 that what you would gather from this or is there just like a black box and they're looking for it in all the worlds and they're just there's just the one? What do you think, Chiro? Well, I mean, there's only really I mean, they didn't really make it so important until after that spoiler scene in back cover. <laughs> yeah. So it's like <laughs> do you think do you think there's just the one from back cover, or do you think there is a black box in every world? Well, knowing knowing Nomura, it'll probably yeah. be just that one. I mean, I wouldn't okay. be surprised if he actually has one of those in each world for something. But honestly, you know, we've only seen one, so I yeah, we've only seen only- one so far. But yeah, I just think the now this is the thing. It's just the wording of the trailer. It kind of struck me as like, oh, uh, th- there's there's more than one. Uh, let's see. Uh, I don't. The, I, I don't I don't know how you got that. I mean, okay, so here it is. Clear to here, me. Here, so here's here's the wording. Is there a distinctive black box in this world? So well, the fact well, that well, they well, said... Well, the word distinctive is pretty much your hint. At all. It's only one, right? Okay, so is there a distinctive black box in this world? So if they're asking, is there a black box in this world, that sort of means like, is there one in this world too? Does this world have a black box? 
I, I think I think they're just traveling from world to world. I think that's going to be a big point for their stories that they're just yeah they're looking for they're looking for either a black box or some black boxes. I think they're looking for some black boxes. I'm I'm the opposite. I'm thinking they're looking for a specific black box. I think there's many because they're because they're say because they're say a and not the the is does this world have the black box? <laughs> I don't know. Is the black box in this world? I don't know. Is we'll see. That black box. That black box. Yeah. I'll, again, this is like nitpicking language, specific language on a translated trailer. So, and I will tell you that this this stuff is even more vague in Japanese because Japanese doesn't really have a, a difference. But well, I guess it does. There's there's like hitotsu, which is like uh like uh or one. And then there's like sono, and I don't think they said sono. I will check. Okay, we're gonna do live live bad translation analysis. What did what did Maleficent say? Is there a distinctive black box in this world? Oh wait, I'm trying. I'm trying to listen to the Japanese. Oh, she did not say sono. She did not say sono. She she did not say the. She said like. Uh, Kono Sekai, this world, uh, uh, Kudo, Kudo Hako, means black box. Kuroi Hako wa Naikai, so it's like, is there, yeah, is there a black box in this world? That's what she means. Is there a black box in this world? It is not the black box. It, distinctively, it is not the black box because if it was the black box, she'd be like, uh, like sono sono kuroi hako, like the black box. Well, sono can you imagine the, what what the English translation is going to be when they record? Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> like, because that could that be all could differently. Be, all that could be completely year. different. I'm just saying. I'm just I'm just going with the letter of the law in the Japanese that I heard, and it's like, uh, is is there naikai it's like is there not a black box in this world that's that's sort of like how a more that's a more literal translation is there not a black box in this world and then and then hades immediately says like kuroi hakko which means like black box i i don't know anything about that maleficent get the hell out of my world i'm james woods I hope I'm. I'm hope I'm hired for this game again. He will. Anyway, don't worry. He will be. I know. Anyway, so yeah. Uh, is it okay? So I will at least say that at least Maleficent's being being vague. She's being vague too. So yeah, because well, of course she's not gonna really say. She's not gonna release know. anything. So she's she's either being vague or she's implying there's more than one. So maybe we'll get some uh, explanation on that further. We'll see. Uh, let's see. Uh, moving on from there, uh, there was a new, there was a new drive form shown called Second Form. Uh, Second Form is so. So to be clear, when you see Sora in this in this trailer and he looks like he's wearing Kingdom Hearts two clothes, he's not. Uh, that is, he is wearing his Kingdom Hearts three clothes, but the coloring is reskinned to look like his Kingdom Hearts two clothes. So it looks like the same coloring, but it is not the same model. So there is a distinctive Kingdom Hearts 2 
outfit model of Sora in this game, and there is a distinctive Kingdom Hearts 3 outfit model of Sora in this game, and there also happens to be a form that happens to look like the original. This is basically how Limit Form was in Kingdom Hearts 2 Final Mix, where it was his Kingdom Hearts 2 outfit, but it had the coloring of his Kingdom Hearts 1 outfit. So this is a distinctive form uh, where he's allowed to use attacks from limit form what <laughs> right <laughs> so these so it it's an outfit that looks like kingdom hearts 2 but he's using attacks that are from kingdom hearts 1 what <laughs> so this is not an homage to kingdom hearts 1 this is just an homage to kingdom hearts 2's final mix's limit form so okay Thanks, I guess. So yeah, you can see him use attacks like Ars Arcanum and Stun Impact, and uh, there's also like an aerial version of Sonic Blade. Like there's there's a lot of stuff in there. It looks awesome, but I'm kind of disappointed that these attacks are still relegated to just a form and not like something I can use all the time. Because you know me, I love my Sonic Blade and my uh, Slide Dash and all that stuff. Oh well. So yeah, moving on from there, uh, a lot of flow motion special abilities were shown, uh, particularly with Sora uh, taking on the Rock Titan. Uh, he, you know, running up the building and uh, scaling the Rock Titan can all be done with flow motion, and it all looks amazing. Uh, there's a lot of high level magic used, which uses the suffix za. So in in you know your typical Final Fantasy magic, you've got your uh, your fire blizzard and thunder that's like base level and then you got your fire fire blizzara thundara that's second level then you got your fireaga blizzaga thundaga that's third level there's now a fireaza blizzarza and thundaza which is fourth level getting more complicated as we go along <laughs> getting more complicated yeah like uh, they're originally taking clues from Final Fantasy, but like this is kind of going in a different direction a little bit. But well, actually, if I remember correctly, Final Fantasy thirteen had a couple of level four spells. There was like, there was Kiraja. If I remember correctly, there was a Kiraja in uh, Final Fantasy thirteen. Um, but yeah, they've they've decided to translate that as Za this time, not Jaw, which apparently they translated it as Jaw in. <laughs> in 0.2 but maybe accidentally but now they've they're sticking with za uh also the first time we heard this suffix in kingdom hearts was in dream drop distance where mickey used stopza do you think do they will use that ability in kingdom hearts 3 i don't know that that ability look op that looks right? so op like everybody stopped in their tracks like this was this was an area of effect attack this was an area of effect stop and if i remember correctly even stopga from uh kingdom hearts one was a that was a one one part one enemy per attack kind of a thing and the only difference was how long they would stop but this was like area of effect stop Except right. for you and everybody else, like that's it, it was flat. That's really flashy too. Yeah, real flashy. So we'll see. That seems kind of op, but I think it's o. I think it's okay. The only problem is, I could see it being uh, being good for gameplay, except for the fact that 
in the cutscene, it was shown to affect all those really important characters. <laughs> Usually yeah. with these kind of like status effect attacks, at least in Final Fantasy, they'll work on your standard fodder characters, but they won't work on bosses. Whereas in this scene, it was literally all bosses. Like these are th- the bosses of the next game. So they probably shouldn't be affected by an attack that you can use in gameplay. Now you could probably argue, oh, well, you know, because Mickey used that now, they probably are equipping like anti-stop like accessories. So it won't work on them anymore. Like they won't be fooled by that twice. So maybe that'll happen. And then it's we're allowed to armor. stop. So yeah, it's plot armor. There you go. They'll have some plot armor for, for KH3. Oh man. Hey Brendan, before you continue on. Um, yes. Uh, my cats are knocking things over. They're fighting, so I'm going to go stop them real quick. You got it. All right, hold you on. You stop, up. I know, right? Okay, sorry about that. They knocked over a bunch of crap. Oh, man. <laughs> it's fine. All right, so next thing is they had uh, limit commands. They're back. Yes. There was uh, there was one shown with Goofy uh, launching Sora off of his shield to, like, rain down some... Uh, well, he basically launched Sora into the air, and he, Sora would slam down on a group of Heartless, and uh, you know, unleashing a big impact. And it was pretty awesome. So, yeah, apparently those are called limit commands. I completely forgot. I thought those were also called reaction commands, but there are two completely separate thing things. Limit commands are those team up attacks that you do with your party members in Kingdom Hearts Two, and then reaction commands are the quick quick time events. Uh, where you just press the triangle at a specific time and then you react to something that's happening. Whereas a limit command is something that you build up and then you can use. You also use it with the triangle, but you can use it at any time. That is the distinction. So that's why limit commands are limit commands and reaction commands are reaction commands. You are reacting to things that are happening. So good Good, good reminder. Thanks, thanks, Kingdom Hearts three trailer. Moving on. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, oh, there was four part. There are four party members. What? That's new. That is new. Yeah. So traditionally, uh, Kingdom Hearts parties always have uh, you know three party members. There were some rare instances where you'd get a fourth guest character, like in uh, Kingdom Hearts one, where you fought alongside Riku uh, in the parasite cage boss fight you know Riku was sort of there in the background doing nothing important <laughs> just healing himself with potions on yeah the there you potions. go being 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 useless but yeah technically that is a four four party boss or four party battle but now it seems like for real though you've got four party members like there's even a fourth party icon on the ui so yeah back in kingdom hearts 2 you had to just oh well kingdom hearts 1 and kingdom hearts 2 you had to decide who you would swap in and out, but now it seems like you can have all four characters, including the Disney guest character or Final Fantasy guest character, who knows, with you uh, at all times. So in this case, it was Hercules. So Hercules was present. He was not shown in any cutscenes, but he was shown in gameplay. Uh, I will just say personally, he looked a little rough. So which is fine. You know, they this is for one. This is a gameplay model. 
gameplay models are always a little bit rougher than uh, your cutscene models that you would typically see. And also, uh, they did not elect to show him up close and personal, so it's fine if he's a little rough now. I'm sure they'll be polishing him up up until release. So uh, just some things I noticed that were a little off. Uh, the coloring on his outfit is a little too dark. And his hair seems to be a little bit bugged right now. It seems like it's got like subsurface scattering turned up way too high because it's like this really like emissive looking weird neon orange color that it's not supposed to be. And also, if you look at his character icon uh, and you compare the way he looks in the character icon to the way he looks in game, it looks very different. I think his character icon is just lifted from Kingdom Hearts 2 or one of his earlier appearances. So I think that's why there's a difference in appearance. So I'm I'm pretty sure that as they go forward, they'll attempt to make Hercules look more like he does in that uh, character art icon, or at least I hope so, because that's what he's supposed to look like, not what he's looking like now. But still, early days, they, they chose not to show him up close and personal for a reason. So it's fine. Uh, next, uh, guard form was shown in action. We'd previously seen two uh, dry forms before. There was guard form and power form. Guard form is the yellow form. Uh, we've yet to see power form in action, but they decided to show guard form this time. Uh, guard form uh, gave Sora uh, seems to give Sora the ability to uh, use the tr- Keyblade transformation known as Counter Shield, and uh, Counter Shield or, or uh, again, we don't know how Keyblade Transformation works, so this could be anything. <laughs> but they they showed him in guard form, and he was using the counter shield. I don't know if... Because the other thing is, like, it seems like Keyblade Transformations may also be tied to Keyblade type, and it seems like he was using the Hercules Keyblade for that world, so maybe they're separate. Anyway, he was in guard form, he was using the counter shield. <laughs> And the counter shield has a lot of really cool abilities. Uh, It's got these uh, crazy arms that sort of appear out of thin air that punch people very Hercules style. Um, There was like this crazy finisher where uh, a bunch of sparks rain down like from the heavens. It looked like crazy fireworks display. Like there's a lot. Yeah. It seemed like a lot of really cool abilities that this thing has. So uh, so yeah, that's uh, they had guard form and they had counter shield, both of those things. Uh, moving on, uh, Zemnis and Ansem were both shown in the trailer outside. Of, they were they appeared outside of the Twilight Town Mansion, which uh, prior to this we didn't know if that was going to be included, especially because in all the footage that we've seen of Twilight Town, the hole in the wall that leads to the Twilight Town Mansion was sealed up. So I'm guessing either they crack that wall open again and they decide to leave it open or there's another way to get to the mansion or we or maybe in game we bust a hole in the wall and we go through for some reason oh man could you imagine churro if like maybe that's like a part of the story like we gotta bust a hole in this wall and then like there's the guy who just finished fixing it no no i just fixed it no and then you just gotta bust through but but, but my question is is like because you know, originally it was a crack in the wall, but it's like, how yeah. did it even? How did like? It's like we still don't know who built that mansion and why is yeah. it there? Why was it hidden from the rest of the? Town? Yeah, why was there a big wall put up there? Who knows? <laughs> right. I don't, I, in this series, I doubt 
they're going to get focus anything on that at all. We get so Kingdom Hearts, unfortunately, uh, fortunately or unfortunately, doesn't give a lot of uh, world building. Like so, sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. Like an example of some good Kingdom Hearts world building is they talked about how the Radiant Garden Castle used to look one way, and then Darkness was unleashed, and that's why it looks like it does in uh, in Kingdom Hearts One uh, as Hollow Bastion. It looks sort of dilapidated, and that was because of the unleash of darkness. That's basically all the world building we get. Um, and then as far as like level design and all that, it's kind of like these days, it's kind of flippant. Like they'll, you know, if you go back to a certain world, don't be, don't be surprised if they completely change the layout. Like Kingdom Hearts 1, Hollow Bastion and Kingdom Hearts 2, Hollow Bastion slash Radiant Garden. How does that all line up? I don't know. Like <laughs> that world is crazy. Like, like it, it, it very much not explained and doesn't really line up at all with what we saw in Kingdom Hearts 1. Uh, Agrabah was completely redesigned in Kingdom Hearts 2. Looks nothing like it does in Kingdom Hearts 1. Did they rebuild an entire city in a year? I guess. Like, (laughs) So it seems like Kingdom Hearts treats its levels very arbitrarily. I don't know if this is going to be treated arbitrarily, but like, we'll be lucky if we get any any explanation, Churro. I don't know if we ever will. But, uh, yeah. So, Ansem and Xemnas, they were there. Up to their old tricks again. Teasing Sora. Like they always do. And they're basically teasing him about the futility of bringing Roxas back. Uh, which is one of the seven seven lights that they need to bring back. Uh, to have their duel with the 13 darknesses. And, uh, yeah, they basically said there's only one way for him return to return, and it would require that Sora turns to darkness for assistance. Or he turns into darkness. <laughs> Which is probably the real answer. I don't yeah. know. I, I, I believe that they're going to keep tempting him, like, tempting him yeah. like they did in Dream Draw Distance. But I think after what happened in Dream Draw Distance, Sora's going to know better. Yeah, or his friends are going to talk him out of it. Yeah, he's he's not alone this time, so he can rely on his friends to keep him on the right track. Uh, but yeah, uh, as for what they're telling him to do, there's there's like there's a few different like interpretations you can take. Like turning to darkness could mean uh, like turning to the thirteen darknesses to help him bring Roxas back, or it could mean more literally. Sora's got to die again to bring about Roxas like he did originally. Like Sora's basically got to turn into a heartless again. So that's that's the obvious way of how to get Roxas back is Sora's got to become heartless. So that's one interpretation or maybe the 13 darknesses, maybe the Xehanorts, maybe they know something that Sora doesn't know and they need to turn to him, a turn to Xehanort to turn to the Xehanorts to use their abilities to bring Roxas back. So those are the two like main interpretations that you can take from this. It can go either way, really. So, so yeah, overall, really great trailer. Great music. The music is uh, an orchestral cover of the... Uh, Wave of Darkness. Of, yeah, Wave of Darkness from uh, 0.2. So that's that's the first time we heard that. Uh, Churro, was that was that played at the concert? The uh, the Wave of Darkness was it played live? It was played twice. It was played during the concert and then 
during the cutscene. Well, well, it was played during the concert as oh. one of the lists. Okay. And then when they showed the trailer, they played the they played it again for the well as the trailer was playing. So they oh, played it twice. Oh, in- interesting. So so the 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 orchestra actually played live to the trailer. Yes. Oh, I didn't, a, I didn't even that, know that. Yeah, that was, that was a unique thing about it. I think interesting. it was interesting. I'm not sure about Sundays. I have to ask uh, my friend Ariel from Cage Insider. She attended that one, mm-hmm. but because uh, on the Wednesday concert they played the trailer right off, like right uh, during uh, intermission, right before they started the second half. Okay. And so, then yeah, that wouldn't have been with the orchestra then. Yeah, because I guess since the trailer was a surprise the first yeah. time around, it was done with the orchestra trailer, which was actually really powerful. Yeah, interesting. So, so yeah, that was that was a big deal. I'm I'm hoping personally, just going based on how well it's it, it goes in the trailer, I want more orchestra music in Kingdom Hearts. Like, so in Kingdom Hearts two, uh, you know the the remix version of Kingdom Hearts two, and then also Kingdom Hearts one, they re-recorded a lot of music, and like, well, all the soundtrack, and there are a lot of live instrument samples used in there. But a lot of them, the way they are recorded is they're recorded like, you know, they record the the violins, they record the piano, they record this, and they record all these things separately, and then they like mix them together in an in, in an audio editor, and then Falk, who's the guy at the Boston uh, Video Game Orchestra, he's the guy who d- does the music production. Uh, he just, you know, he he adjusts the levels live adjust reverb and all that and makes it sound as nice as he can but when you actually have the entire orchestra together playing together when music when music instruments play together there's a different quality to the sound you know the the sound from the violin and the sound from the piano and the sound from the horns and the sound of the hall all mixes together and produces a very different sounding thing uh, than you know just a bunch of instruments recorded together and then mixed after. That's why if you record, uh, you know, you know sometimes you'll have people on YouTube that they they play you know a lot of instruments, so they'll record themselves playing one instrument and they'll record that entire part, and then they'll record themselves playing a different instrument, and they'll record themselves playing another instrument, and then they mix it all together. It sounds great, but it's not the same as if you heard all of those instruments played live together, and that's why. So I want to hear more of those sounds, of those those songs. I know it's not reason, maybe not reasonable to have all of the soundtrack be that way. You know, that can get very expensive, but I'd like to hear more full orchestra songs in the game, and that'd be so awesome. So awesome. I want to hear it. Awesome. So awesome. All right. So uh, at the end of the trailer, there was a big announcement that, hey, this trailer ain't the only one that's coming soon. So they confirmed that there would be another new trailer at D23 on July 15th at... uh, you know, at, at, at on July fifteenth, and there would uh, be uh, a new world shown in that trailer, and it was a big deal. Uh, just to get some more details on that, so this will be uh, a new trailer at D twenty three on July fifteenth at Disney's video game showcase. Uh, like I said, there will be a new world shown. Uh, as far as we've heard from the uh, so Nomura did a 
interview with Famitsu, and he basically said that uh, the editing on the trailer is complete, and it will be longer than the E3 trailer, and will contain almost entirely new content. Now, I just want to comment on the translation of that, because I did my best. So... Uh, I've heard some other people, they've said basically the same thing, that it'll be new content in the trailer, but the way it was worded in Japanese, I don't quite understand it entirely, but uh, it was hobo atarashi. So hobo, from all accounts that I've seen, hobo in in Japanese means like almost or nearly or, you know, almost or nearly. So nearly, and then it's hobo atarashi. Atarashi means new. So it you one interpretation is it's the content is almost new, which means it's kind of old <laughs> <laughs> or it's almost all new. So I don't know in the grammar how that uh, how that works out, but I can just tell you that the literal translation is almost new. And and, and that's the thing is that uh, the you can't go. 100% off literal translations because there's also like the cultural side of things and understanding what the words mean. You know, there's a lot of words like that we use in English, like literally it means the complete opposite of what it really means. Literally, what literally, literally means is literally different. So yeah, that, that's just an ex- example, but yeah, it, what it seems like the most logical explanation is that uh, it will be mostly new content, if not all new content. Uh, and it makes sense because they're showing a new world. So if they were showing a new world that we've never seen before, then yeah, the content's going to be new because we've never seen it before. <laughs> you know, just, just by default, it's going to be new because it's the first time they're showing it. So uh, Namora says, uh, he, he said at one of the concerts that if you were happy about the E3 trailer, you will be really happy about the D23 trailer. <laughs> Isn't that kind of vague? That like, is pretty vague. Now, you know, just going going off of what we know about D23, what they've shown there in the past, uh, or, or more specifically what they showed there last, and what they're saying they're going to show. So the last D23 that kingdom hearts was at they announced the big hero six world they showed that but there was no trailer it was just concept art and baymax walked on stage and that was about it they talked about what it would be about and they talked about like you know some of the specifics of how the world's gonna be like the fact that it's gonna be a new story you know they're getting assistance from the original writing staff all that like they basically just talked up a bunch of information not a lot of stuff shown this time they're showing a trailer they're going to show footage of a new world. Um, so going based off of that, I think the focus is not going to be on main story stuff. The focus is going to be on world stuff. So the main focus is the world. So the fact that people are going to be really happy about the world that is going to be shown seems to me to indicate that it's probably going to be a big deal when it comes to what that world is. I think that's what Namora is referring to when he says, you're going to be really happy, and the main thing about this trailer is they're revealing a new world. So 
I think whatever they're going to show, this is going to be one of their big announcements as far as what world's going to be in it. I'm not saying Star Wars, but I'm saying Star Wars. <laughs> Good job, bro. <Ray. laughs> Good job. Well, I'm just going to... Well, it's either... Okay, I'm going to say it's either Star Wars or Marvel. They, they finally got one of those. Be Akua's because... Here's the, here's the official uh, press release from Disney, by the way. Level up! Exclamation mark. That's how they wrote it. Level up! The Walt Disney Company's Video Game Showcase 1pm D23 Expo Arena. Experience never-before-seen gameplay, trailers, special guests, and other unforgettable surprises from across the Disney, Star Wars, and Marvel game portfolios. In this must-see showcase, Jimmy Pitaro, chairman DCPI, will kick off the presentation, which will feature many show-stopping moments, including announcements from Marvel and and more information about highly anticipated games, Star Wars Battlefront 2 from Electronic Arts, Kingdom Hearts 3 from Disney and Square Enix, and more. So, Good job. This particular event will be showcasing a lot of stuff from Star Wars and Marvel. So, I'm just saying, it might be Star Wars or Marvel. Might be one of those worlds. I don't think it's Spider-Man, but that would be kind of cool. I would like that. Dude, could you imagine being having Spider-Man gameplay in Kingdom Hearts? I can't Try. take it. I can't take it. <laughs> But that 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 being said, I kind of don't want it because we already have a really cool looking Spider-Man game in development that's really big budget, and I don't want that. <laughs> also, I don't think that would be an e- yeah. Now that I think about it, I don't think that's possible because anything Star Wars related is very difficult because Sony has a big stake in or, or anything. Uh, Spider-Man related is very difficult because Sony has a big stake in Spider-Man. Like they kind of own all the movie rights. And uh, that's why it was such a big deal for Marvel and Sony to finally like figure out, all right, we're going to make, you can make a Spider-Man movie. You can have Spider-Man in Avengers. But like, yeah. So I would say don't expect Spider-Man to ever be in Kingdom Hearts and don't expect X-Men to be in, uh, Kingdom Hearts ever even though those are both Marvel properties they are also very heavily tied up in external companies uh, I think f- is it Fox I think uh, Fox? Yeah, I think Fox yeah I think Fox has X-Men and then Sony's got Spider-Man that's why they that's why they rushed to make a Fantastic Four movie because yeah. if they didn't they would have to give up the rights to it so they just yeah. made that movie and it was completely trashed yep just to just to keep their rights. So, yeah. But things that you could see that Disney has complete control over, anything that you see in Avengers, so like Cap- Captain America, uh Thor, uh you know, what what else we got? Thor, uh uh Black Widow, Hulk, Iron Man, those characters, no problem. I would personally say Thor. It's a little a little bit too close to Hercules. You know, we're dealing with Greek gods, Greek gods, Greek gods. Thor is a Greek god. Maybe Thor will make an, a, a cameo. I could see Thor as a cameo in Hercules. It'd be kind of weird to have such a cameo so early in the game, but like, it could happen. Like, that's that's one Marvel character I would have absolutely no issue 
appearing in Kingdom Hearts, so long as it's in Hercules level only, because that's where he belongs. So that's an option. Uh, other than that, uh, Star Wars. It could be Star Wars. I'd be, you know, if it was Star Wars, I'd be very surprised they managed to convince EA to allow him to use a license. Yeah, that, that is another big problem. Yeah, because EA's got like a, a pretty strong monopoly on Star Wars content, but... For video games, though. Yeah, for video games. For video games, specifically video games. So, yeah, that would be that would be tough. Marvel does not have... There is no company with a Marvel monopoly. And actually, and then, Square, Square Enix yeah, is Square already Enix. making... Uh, Square Enix is uh, making Marvel games, so, so is, I, I think I think Marvel will probably be the higher chance of being in there. If yeah, going off of how how Namora awarded it, if you're going to be really happy about the trailer, so yeah, I, I think it could go either way. But Star Wars is definitely the harder one. Uh, it could also be completely unrelated to both of those properties, and it yeah. could just be it could just be a world that you know has been long sought after like toy story or something like that so you know it really could be anything i'm just saying that the fact that he was like very specific about you will be happy about the e3 you will be happy about this trailer really happy if you are happy about the e3 trailer uh and you know if he's hyping this up and the big thing is it's a new world then it would make you think that the nature of what this world is is probably the big deal like that's the that's the big surprise that oh yeah you're going here too which kingdom hearts 2 had you know a couple of those you know you had pirates of the caribbean no one expected that there was tron nobody expected that you know we never had live action disney movies represented in kingdom hearts before so that was a big deal um so nomara nomara has a tendency to surprise us when it comes to world selection yeah definitely so there's yeah there's definitely like you know some solid uh, you know, evidence and, and solid history of Namora doing this. So it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be too surprising if he tried to surprise us. <laughs> That's right. what I'm saying. It's kind of weird, but it's true. So yeah, that, uh, that pretty much wraps up, uh, the main part of our E3 wrap up. Churro, was there anything from, uh, E3 that stood out to you? Anything that you want to talk about, about the event as a whole? Oh my god! It the main complaint would be fifteen adding fifteen thousand public is a attendees. terrible idea. Yeah, or, yeah, public attendees is a terrible, terrible idea. I get that people wanted to go to E three for years, but unfortunately, E three is not a public event. It's or at least it, it should, shouldn't it shouldn't be, but it, it is now. Be. It is now. I mean, the reason why is because because E three never really the ESA never really tried to adjust the public like there was you know a problem where one of the halls were exceeding capacity and the fire marshal was you know there talking about it, he was not happy about it and you know there's you know unfortunately they didn't do anything much to really calm the matter it was to me it was just the problem was just too many people like what the square next booth has always been a crowded place to be mm-hmm. but That's there were times during the day where there was nowhere to walk yeah it was just that bad that's crazy so but. just just to give some some context, just in case a- anyone's out of the loop. So generally, E3 is a industry exclusive event, meaning you have to be uh, in the video game industry and be able to prove your credentials uh, to get a badge for E3. So that's what it's been like up until this point. 
that said, recently in the past couple of years, specifically starting in 2015, they've been giving out more, uh, uh, you know, uh, all-purpose use badges to publishers to give out to anyone they see fit. So publishers could have contests to bring people to E3 if they wanted to, or they can just give it to people. And that's how that's how I got into E3 is I got it through Churro, who got it through Square. So we got in, but uh, now it's open to the general public. So anyone can get in if they pay for it. And they opened up uh, 15,000 tickets for the general public. And adding that on top of the already uh, last year was 50,000 people. So now we're up to, you know, 68,000. 68,000. So 15,000 plus another 3,000 of just general increase that E3 tends to have. So 15,000 extra people. I mean, there was no balance. I mean, I wouldn't mind it if they would add a a fourth day just for press only to give them a chance to see through all the games before the general public comes in. Or, you know, there was no balance. There was no adjusting to the, you know, with adding the general public to the event. It was just the same setup, the same design. And it was just hugely problematic, you know, for us. I have a feeling they'll, they'll, do their best to see see what happens you, you know they'll look at what happened this year and they'll probably try to adjust but man that is yeah everything that i've been hearing is that this was a disaster of of an e3 in terms of like the actual e3 show floor and then just uh uh i, I don't know how much you saw of the press conferences but personally i feel like as a whole this e3 was kind of a letdown like it it, it was to me, honestly, it was it was bad. I mean, yeah, I didn't I didn't watch many conferences. You know, like Sony one was kind of. I tried to wait, you know, see if they opened up like uh, you know, like whatever mm-hmm. receipts were open to let us in, like they did last. Like well, I waited for last year, but mm-hmm. they told us that it was media only, and yeah, you know, we left. And then turns out the the conference was only an hour long, and it yeah, wasn't it was even a shorter that great. One. Yeah, so. Uh, my, my take on it. So I, I watched most of the conferences. Uh, I would say that, uh, obviously EA, they got a big fat F very out of touch with people that play games. Uh, but was fine. Uh, no big announcements. Uh, Elder Scrolls six is not in development. So boohoo. That's not great. No, because of uh, Elder Scrolls Online. Yeah, they're as still... long as that's still going, you know, they're not going to focus on anything. Elder I know. Scrolls-wise. I thought that I thought the thing fails, but no, it's still making the money. I guess. So uh, yeah, and uh, let's see. Uh, Microsoft, theirs, theirs was fine. Xbox One X. I guess we should say something about that. Uh, Xbox One X, it legit is a pretty powerful system, and what they've got packed in there uh, for the price is impressive. But the price is not right. Uh, mm-hmm. that that box is five hundred dollars. That is what you pay for a new console at launch at, at most, and that's still a lot for a new console. And this is not a new console. Maybe for some people it's a new console, but this is not a this is not a new console. And it's definitely not worth it. I mean, it's especially if you haven't like any other form of an Xbox, because like. I, I don't know if this is like an ongoing sale, but like I heard like this figure is pretty crazy. It's like there's a $250 Xbox and then there was like a $250 sale for a PS4. So it's like 
what do you get? One Xbox One X or an Xbox and a PS4 now? It's like, I mean, there's no comparison. Like, it's yeah, crazy. You, you, just, you just buy one of each, you know, and just be happy with two consoles. Exactly. Or just get one. Get one of the basic consoles and then buy a Switch. Or get a PC and get a Switch. So... Yeah, I would yeah, say. I also, mean, mm-hmm. I, I, I rewatched the. I mean, I missed the announcement of the Xbox One X. Yeah, and but when I went back and watched it, it's just like, dude, everything they said did not really convince me to buy yeah. it. Like they can they can go on about how powerful the machine is, what mm-hmm. it's got inside, the technical specs, but like it's good me, stuff. It's good stuff on, on when you look at it, but as a consumer, you're yeah. not really worried about that. Exactly, you know, like I, it's. It's a general like a like a your mm-hmm. basic consumer like if if a if a parent is gonna buy their kid a PS4 Pro or an Xbox One X, you know yeah. they're not gonna care about that. They're yeah, just gonna the, buy whatever's cheaper. Exactly, and I I definitely have to say for for what you are spending on these uh, premium consoles, you're really not getting that much. Uh, the PS4 Pro support has been very poor uh, in terms of especially especially third party. Uh, companies they have not been supporting this and for good reason the ps4 pro's install base is not that big so why devote that much to these improvements for these games if there's not that many people that even own these consoles to enjoy these things um and then the same thing with the xbox one x it's going to be up to the same developers to want to put support on that exactly so i think we'll see a kind of a repeat of what we see with ps4 pro in that uh so for the xbox one x First party games will probably look fantastic on the console because, you know, they're they're sort of like forced to by Microsoft. Like it's their it's their company, so they will be they will support it as best they can. Same thing happened on PS4 Pro. Horizon looks amazing on PS4 Pro. Not much else does. Um and then for third party, they'll just do some token upgrades like if they want to, if, especially if they're like bigger companies. So like uh, resolution improvements, maybe some performance improvements. Maybe they'll leave the frame rate unlocked, even though that looks terrible. Um, and that that's all you'll get. So third party support's going to be crap and first party support's going to be great. But is that enough to sell a $500 console? Probably not. So it's good. It's good if you're really into it. If you have a 4K TV, at the very least, they do have a 4K Blu-ray player, and that's something that Sony doesn't have. So, but yeah, like, it, how many people watch 4K Blu-rays now? Now, now that streaming yeah, is a big thing. Exactly. So, uh, if you're a film buff, that probably is interesting to you. If you just watch movies and you like movies, you're probably streaming already, and you don't have a Blu-ray player at all. So, yeah. it's you know, it, it it's. It doesn't I mean, seem like a good proposition to me. I mean, generally, if I was gonna, if if I had money to spend on either PS4 Pro or an mm-hmm. Xbox One X, I'll probably spend on the Pro so that with the leftover hundred dollars that I have, I can probably mm-hmm. buy a game. Or yeah, an exactly, exactly. Yeah, I I think that the price is just not right. If it was four hundred, and you're going, you know, like for like, then maybe it would have been a you know, an easier sell. You know, the fact that, oh, so this Xbox, it plays a lot of the same games that the PlayStation ha- PlayStation 4 has. It's the same price, and it's way more powerful. Okay, I- I- I'm-, I'm with you. I understand. At least at least you're being competitive here. Uh, you know, if it's if it's th- 300, amazing. Like, no, no question, that's the one you get. Like, it's better and it's cheaper. That's the one you get. But at this p- place, it's like a pure 
a pure math calculation. You pay more, you get more. There doesn't seem like much of a deal. You know, they're not doing any favors for us by making it cheaper or anything. It's just like, if you pay more for an Xbox, you will get more. And like, that doesn't seem like enough for me. It's not a big enough improvement. If you want like a really big improvement, get a nice PC and you'll see all the same games and they'll look way better than they do on Xbox One and Xbox One X for that matter. Uh, moving on, uh, Sony. Sony was whatever. Like God of War looked good. Spider-Man was amazing. Uh, Shadow of the Colossus, I'm really excited for, but that's not coming out till next year. Uh, looks good. That's an impressive remaster make, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> looks like a remake, but it is a remaster. I don't know. It's weird. I, I'm I'm gonna call it a remake because that it looks it looks like a remake. To there's me. there's too much change. So Sony's calling it a remaster, which I think is completely devaluing what Blue Point is doing uh, for this game. Because in my mind, if you are remaking that many assets, that's a remake. Like I don't care if you're not reprogramming the game, you are remaking like the entire world, all the foliage. You're remodeling the or at least you're updating the models on all the textures of all the all the colossuses and all the characters and animations and all that like to me that's a remake so whatever so that that was great nintendo in my opinion probably the winner it was the winner like i was i was outside of the south hall yeah just watching the stream on my phone and everybody would like people were like we're gathering around me just like watching it when metro probably find metroid prime 4 got announced everybody yeah. lost their minds yeah they, def- they they definitely won on announcements they have metroid prime 4 new core pokemon rpg in development uh no, new kirby Mar- new kirby new yoshi mario odyssey uh zelda dlc and, and uh, metroid on 3ds too metroid on 3ds uh remake of metroid 2 uh, those originally for Game Boy, so a lot of really great announcements. I would say the my only knock against Nintendo is that Metroid Prime Four and the Pokemon RPG announcement were way too early. Yeah, because clearly they didn't have anything to show, and it seems sort of reactionary to the fact that like, oh, uh, you know, they probably assumed that Sony and Microsoft would have bigger announcements, so they thought, oh, well, if we don't announce something big, like, I mean, we, they already know about Odyssey and that's our big game. Like it's probably not going to be as big of a thing if we just show Odyssey. So let's, let's announce some big things real quick. And you know, all, if all they can announce is like, they could just show a logo and they just show some guy sitting at his desk doodling and saying, Hey, we're going to make a new Pokemon. Like that's not, that's not too much, but I like what the announcements were, you know, it shows a good direction and like, Last year, there did not seem to be like a really good roadmap for Switch. It seems like it was going to be a console with no games. Now, total 180. There are so many games on Switch and so many games coming to Switch that look amazing. And there, I got my Switch like today. So, yeah, and you just got a Switch. So it's like Switch is where it's at right now. Sony, Microsoft, they're kind of like fumbling and. I mean, Sony's got some good games coming, but they're going to take a long time. And like Switch and games, like they're good. They're good now, and they'll be good at the end of the year, and they'll be good next year, and they'll be they'll keep getting more stuff. 
And one thing I did notice that a lot of announcements were two of the, were for next year too, just like it was yeah. like a couple of years ago. It was like everything was announced for 2016, 2017. Yeah, so like there's nothing this year for the, you know, for PS4 and Xbox, but you know, you go on Switch. Hey man, you got you got uh what, what's coming? You got Mario Odyssey, Splatoon, Arms, which is like out now. Uh next year you got Kirby Yoshi. Uh, oh, there's also Xenoblade 2. Like, so many, like, amazing-looking games. By the way, Xenoblade 2, Tetsuya Nomura designed a character for that. Whoa! Whoa! So, there you go. Yet another Kingdom Hearts attachment to Xenoblade. Everybody plays Xenoblade Chronicles 1. I'm just telling you. I'm not, I'm not saying play Xenoblade 2. I'm saying play Xenoblade 1 and look at 2. I'm not sure if 2 is good yet. <laughs> Two, isn't it still isn't like a lot of people were joking it's going to come out in 2020 so well it's still slated for this year the director himself was like are we going to make this date <laughs> he was kind of joking himself so whatever i'm just saying whatever you do run don't walk to your nearest we uh or wii u or pc that can emulate wii games and play xenoblade chronicles 1 you will not regret it. It is literally one of the greatest RPGs of all time. I do not say that lightly. It's amazing. So, yeah. Oh, by the way, I finished Persona 5. That was pretty good. I'm playing Persona 3 now. I think it's. I think Persona 3 is better, but Persona 5 was good too. Uh, so, yeah, I think that wraps up our, our E3 stuff. Let's let's hit a, qu- a question. <laughs> uh, let's... All right, uh, Oh man. So we got one that's directly about E3 but is going to lead into a little bit of a tirade by me and then one that's general that we could answer anytime that's good. I think we're going to go with the E3 one that's crazy. Okay, Chero, please take this question and I will answer it and I will do my best to be fast. Okay, I can't wait for to hear your tangent about Let's- it. I'm going to do my best. From, this is from Eiffel65, and they write, Hello, everyone. Just saw the new E3K3 trailer. Watched it a few times already, and I'm hyped. I was just wondering, though, what is up with Sora's hair and face? Honestly, all the character models from Maleficent to Sora have weird, almost Play-Doh clay-looking faces, and the hair seems weird as well. Is this just an early build of the game shown in the trailer, and will it be polished up before released? Why do you think the faces and hair on Sora and other characters look so strange? Is it a new art style or just how Unreal Engine 4 is? In some weird ways, I think Cage 2 Sora and hair, Sora hair, Sora's hair and face look better than the one in this trailer, if you can believe it. Oh man, Cheryl, this question—it's got—it's got all—it's got, got all the elements. It's got Unreal did Engine you, did 4. It's got Unreal Engine 4. It's got character shading and rendering it's got hair it's got face it's got you know talk about characters looking weird dude this is this is this question it's too much for me <laughs> but I'll, I'll do my best i'll try to be fast i'll try to be fast so why does why does kingdom hearts 3 why do kingdom hearts 3 characters look weird so uh <laughs> oh man i'm look. I, I wrote notes for this just so i could keep myself on track i'm trying Okay, Good guys, job, I'm trying. Brandon. I'm going to do my best. So, <laughs> you already know that the first, that we're, we're having a problem already, that the first note is a history lesson. So, <laughs> back in the days, Kingdom Hearts 3 <laughs> used to have a very cohesive look. 
The reason why is because Kingdom Hearts back then did not have programmable shaders. Oh my god, what is programmable shaders, Brandon? Why are you bringing up technical stuff already? Okay, well, let me tell you. So programmable shaders was something that came with DirectX 9 and came in with the PS3 and 360 era. It's why those games started to look like CG movies. In, not entirely, but a little bit. You know, things could start looking glowy. You could have reflections. You could have uh, all these crazy lights and shadows. All that stuff, all that beautiful stuff. The, if you look at a PS2 game and you look at a PS3 game and they they look different, other than the fact that one's in HD resolution, the reason is programmable shaders okay that's why so that's why they look the, the way they do if you want to know more about programmable shaders please please google programmable shaders and you will see all about those so with programmable shaders let's bring in a spider-man reference with great power comes great responsibility and nice. uh so back in the day they did not have great power or great response well they had great responsibility they had a lot of rights holders and disney breathing down their neck but Back then, it was a lot easier to make everything cohesive because they didn't have a lot of options. You know, they just had flat, shaded stuff. Everything was flat. And you know what's good? Rendering flat? Cartoon stuff. Because cartoon stuff used to be flat. Because that was rendered. You know how that was rendered? Blood, sweat, and tears and by hand because they painted those things. They didn't have all these fancy whiz programmable shaders. They had paints. They had inks, and that's about it. Well, later later they had a painting application, uh, Disney ink and paint, whatever. Okay, whatever. But it was still painted by hand, and, and they didn't have all these crazy fancy whiz programmable shaders. So because they have programmable shaders now, they have the ability to make these things look beautiful. The problem is we've always had programmable shaders representing kingdom hearts characters and that came in the form of those fmvs pre-rendered videos so the opening of kingdom hearts the ending of kingdom hearts the secret movies all those things those are pre-rendered and they have programmable shaders because that's that used to be a cg thing only and now you can do it in real time so how are we doing on time three minutes okay (laughs) anyway so uh now now they got programmable shaders problem is you got a bunch of disney characters and the problem with Disney characters is most of those ones, it used to be those flat-shaded, you know, hand-drawn characters, they look terrible in CG. You need to look, not look no further than Kingdom Hearts 2's ending. Mickey looks weird, Donald looks weird, Goofy looks weird. Why? Programmable shaders. Anyway, so now, now, they, now they're at an impasse. Now, the the Visual Works team has been doing their darndest to make sure those Disney characters look better and better each time. And I think they look fine in their most recent incarnations. I think the last time we saw them in CG was in Dream Drop Distance in that opening. I thought they looked fine. But Nomura's not pleased. He's not pleased with that. So, what is he doing? Okay, so... Let's let's get to the present day. It, it only took like five minutes to get to present day. Okay, so present day, they've got Unreal Engine 4, they've got programmable shaders. What are they doing now to make Kingdom Hearts 3 look good? So, they are adopting a paradigm. Oh man, we're using paradigm. We're using the word paradigm. They're adopting a design paradigm 
that has been adopted by many other similarly styled games, whereas the background will be shaded in the same way that CG movies are shaded, because backgrounds always look great with programmable shaders. They always look great that way. They always look great when they're rendered in that way. But with the characters, they've decided to do something else. So they decided to do something more stylized. So some other games that use this sort of style, you got Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Link is shaded one way. All the characters are shaded one way. The background is shaded in another way. Let's look at another game. Persona 5. Characters are shaded one way. Background is shaded another way. So that's what we're going for. Kingdom Hearts 3 is adopting that same style. So the characters are shaded one way. The background is shaded another way. So that's that's the biggest element for why these characters are starting to look weird is because the characters are done one way, whereas the backgrounds are done another way. Whereas in the past, all of everything was done the same way. The characters, the backgrounds, everything. And that's why Kingdom Hearts looks so cohesive before. And that's why it does not look so cohesive now. So moving on from that, what are they doing with the characters and why do they look so weird? So, well, first, what's the background using? The background is using a paradigm known as physically based rendering. PBR, not Paps Blue Ribbon. That's a beer. This is PBR, physically based rendering, which means they are using physics to determine what materials look like. These are using things like roughness, uh, whether or not something is metal, and uh, what the color is. <laughs> that's that's the basis of, of PBR. Uh, it's, it's something that was designed by Disney. A lot of companies are using PBR now. It's It is baked into Unreal Engine 4. Basically, all Unreal Engine 4 games use PBR. And that's why Unreal Engine 4 games look so nice. Uh, uh, other games that use PBR, uh, uh, Uncharted 4, uh, Battlefront, Star Wars Battlefront. Uh, if you saw Anthem and thought, wow, Anthem looks so great, PBR, physically-based rendering. So if you see a game that comes out and it looks, man, that looks next-gen, PBR. It is PBR. Physically based rendering. So background of Kingdom Hearts, we're all on board. A-OK. Everything there is PBR. Oh, by the way, if you look at Final Fantasy VII Remake, all that, all the Unreal Engine 4 stuff we've seen from that, PBR. That's also PBR. So Final Fantasy VII, that looks all well and cohesive. Yeah, that's because the characters are also PBR. Kingdom Hearts, not the same way. All right, moving on to characters. So what are the characters doing? They've got their own custom rendering solution. I guess you could call this Kingdom Shader, or maybe this is what Kingdom Shader turned into. Uh, the characters have their own rendering style. They're a lot more plasticky. They're a lot more shiny. They're still playing with it, by the way. But yes, the skin shader is on the plasticky side. I don't know why they chose that, but that's why it looks the way it does. They have written a programmable skin shader that is stylized and adds shades where they don't physically in in terms of physics they wouldn't go there but and they may not be that color but they've got the shader set up so that it adopts this color so they're forcing it because they're programming it that way so that's 
That's the thing. So basically, all the characters, they have their own custom stuff. Square is going from scratch writing these shaders to be this way. Now, just because Square is writing them to be this way, does it mean they have 100% full grasp of what they're doing yet? They're still in development. If you notice, going back to, let's say, E3 2015 uh, or E3 2016, I think is an even better example. So E3 2016, back cover looked weird. Or not back cover. Uh, back cover was fine. Back cover is great, by the way. Uh, 0.2 looked weird. It looked real weird. And it's because they were still trying to figure out how this stuff looks. So compare 0.2 at E3 last year to 0.2 now as we have it as a final retail product. Look at the difference in that. That is them coming to grips with what the shader is should look like. They're still working on it. They're still polishing it. I'm hoping they keep polishing it more, but that is why they look so weird. Now, that being said, that is not the only thing that is weird. So there are two main components to the my main issues with Kingdom Hearts 3's characters. So one thing is the shading issue, the fact that they're shaded completely differently from how the background is shaded. The other issue is modeling, and that is, in my opinion, a bigger issue, the way they're modeling these characters. So... If you look at Kingdom Hearts, it's a long storied series. They have a ton of characters, a ton of modeled characters. They haven't had to remodel these characters in a long time. So the big the big reason why we were able to get so many Kingdom Hearts games so frequently is because they kept reusing assets from old games. You know, you you can model these characters once and in the next game you can use that same exact character model again. Maybe you update the textures, maybe you modify things a little bit, maybe you give Sora a new costume, but on the whole most of the character models were exactly the same and they were brought from game to game to game to game and that's why you could have all these hundreds of Disney characters constantly come back and all you know all these square characters and all that. The reason you can keep having that is because they can just reuse the model from the last game. They can't do that now. They either have to update the models from PS2 or, or from the original version, or they have to remodel. And in a lot of cases, these remodels look bad. Sora looks a little weird. He's getting better. Uh, specifically, his Kingdom Hearts 2 outfit that they've... That version of Sora looks really weird. His I think his Kingdom Hearts 3 version looks fine, personally. That's, that's my opinion. I think his Kingdom Hearts 3 version looks fine, and it's getting better. Each time we see it, I think this Kingdom Hearts 2 one looks weird. Kyrie looks weird. Riku looks weird. Mickey looks really weird. Mickey's wrong. There's something wrong with Mickey, and that makes me mad. Because Mickey is like, that's the bread and butter. And they fought hard to get Mickey, and now they're ruining Mickey? What's going on here? So, some characters that are weird. Uh, Mickey. Zien Sid still kind of weird. Uh, Maleficent is weird. Even though she does have, Maleficent is has an interesting quality to her face. Like she she has this very like Vogue face going on now in, in Kingdom Hearts three, and it kind of looks kind of kind of good. But if you look at her face, it's very flat, a lot flatter than it used to be, and and it's a lot less animated. Okay, so that's another thing. Rigging. Oh my god. Good, Brandon. <laughs> I didn't write notes about that one. 
Okay, so rigging. So the way they've modeled the faces in this game, that's one thing. But also the way they've rigged the faces to animate is a lot different. And the way they're animating it is a lot... It's a lot flatter and a lot stiffer than it usually is. Now, this could be a direct result of the fact that they can't use the low-poly models that they used to use. So back in the day, in Kingdom Hearts, there were two sets of models. There was the high-poly models, the high-polygon models, and then the low-polygon models. The low-polygon models were just a flat face. There was a texture on there that just animated. And it animated like... Uh, it just it was just a looping animation of blinking and mouth opening and closing. A lot of cutscenes use that. Now they don't have that luxury anymore. They have to animate everything. So as a result of that, I think we're getting a lot stiffer animations in the face in some scenes. So these may have been scenes where you would have gotten the low poly version of Maleficent. So as in, in exchange for that, we've got the high poly Maleficent, but she's animating like she's low poly, like she's just this flappy mouth, you know, texture on a face. It, it feels that way. So Maleficent looks weird. Hades looks a little weird, but at least they animate him kind of good. Uh, I, I think his Kingdom Hearts 2 model is a lot more f shapely. You know, it's a, it's a lot less flat. And uh, now I will say, one character that looks amazing looks perfect is pete pete is perfect pete is the only character that i can say Mwah. beautiful perfect you got <laughs> it you got pete because you want to know why he's exactly the same as his kingdom hearts 2 model it didn't change anything he still has his same uh, big stupid face he's got the same dimples in his cheeks if you compare Pete's model to his PS2 model, he looks almost identical. I'm sure they've changed some things. Obviously, they updated the poly count. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking design-wise, facial design-wise. Uh, probably the rig is very similar. But if you look at Pete and you look at Mickey, there's one main difference, and that is in the facial anatomy of how their mouths work. So Mickey's mouth is completely this weird flat, open hole in his face and it's not supposed to be that way mickey's got cheeks hashtag mickey's got cheeks get that hashtag trending mickey's got cheeks and at, at, at kingdom hearts hashtag mickey's got cheeks let him know i tried i I've, I've said this before i last year i spoke to taya suet one-on-one -on -one. i told him uh i really love the demo look great but some of the characters look weird specifically mickey uh the anatomy of his face it's a little off and i specifically pointed out what was off i showed him the kingdom hearts 2 model i even embarrassingly grabbed my own face and showed what the cheeks are supposed to do on my own face how they're supposed to go in and uh, i sort of explained that to him and saying like that, that that's one of the reasons why mickey looks kind of weird right now and then also I explained to him the character shading and the fact that that looked kind of weird. And I even showed him my own portfolio of my own character shading tests uh, of a stylized character and said, like, you know, I use this and, you know, this worked kind of nice for me. And I was sort of inspired by Kingdom Hearts. So maybe you can try this. And it's built into, King in, into Unreal Engine 4. You can just use it right away. But I don't know. I guess I didn't talk to the right guy. I, I guess Nomura would have been the guy to try to convince. I don't think I can convince Nomura of anything. <laughs> I don't think anybody can. <laughs> I don't think anyone can. So I tried. But yeah, that's that, that's the long and the short of it. There's three main parts. They've got programmable shaders now. They've decided 
Number two, they've decided to uh, make the shaders for the characters different from the background. Uh, and, uh, and in that the shaders that they're making are kind of weird. That's number three. Uh, so, uh, uh, new, new, uh, new, new character shading. They're shading the characters different from the background and the shading on the characters is weird. And they're just, they're making it from scratch and they're making it weird. And number four, new models and the new models they're making are weird. Why is that? I'm not sure. I'm not sure who's modeling these. Uh, this could be a result of outsourcing. There is a, at least one Indian uh, animation studio that was working on on back cover or not back cover on uh, 0.2. There's an Indian animation studio working on that um, uh, that they outsourced to. That could be part of it. That could not be part of it. It might just be their own internal modelers. Uh, I will say in terms of the modeling, one very interesting art style shift is they are transitioning away from the... Uh, so the style of the faces and the style of the characters is trending more realistic, uh, in, in terms of their facial proportions. So eyes are getting smaller, uh, eyes are getting, uh, or mouths are getting smaller. Like the, the proportions of the face are getting more in line with what the visual works models were, but the rendering of the models are, are completely off. And they're also getting a lot less, uh, there's a lot less forms there on the face, so it makes it difficult to animate it in an in interesting way. So those are just some of the things. So those are many reasons. It's not just one thing. It's not how... Okay, so one of the questions in this question was, is it a new art style or just how Unreal Engine 4 is? In the case of the characters, it's a new art style. This is not just how Unreal Engine 4 is. Uh, I will say, just as a recommendation, if you guys want to see a different take on stylized characters that look Kingdom Hearts-ish, uh, Google, uh, go on YouTube and search for Unreal Engine 4 Kite Demo. There is a stylized character that is animated there that uses the same shaders that I was telling Yasue about. I use these as well uh, in my tests. Uh, it uses a specific skin shader that is designed to be very realistic, but also very uh, open to be stylized. So you can overdrive a lot of the effects in the skin shader to make it more like Pixar-like, for example. So uh, yeah, look up Unreal Engine 4 Kite Demo on YouTube if you're interested in this sort of thing, and you can see what a stylized character can look like in Unreal Engine 4 if it uses Unreal Engine 4's built-in shaders and not their own custom ones. That's what it can look like. I personally think that would have been a good direction, perhaps even more pushed stylized, but uh, I think overall they could, they could have done something like that. I would say another great another great game to look at for a more cohesive art style that fits fits this sort of thing, where they use uh, stylized characters and they have the same shading on the characters as they have on the background, the same shading style, is Overwatch. Overwatch looks amazing. They've got great characters in-game, animating perfectly they are all using physically based rendering and it's not just the backgrounds so even though it's stylized it looks perfect and that's because and it looks cohesive and that's because it's all using physically based shading so i know it was long i'm sorry it went longer than i thought maybe like 15 minutes maybe 20 minutes that's my guess but it's a big question and it's something i'm passionate about so i just wanted y'all y'all to know 
And I tried. I'm sorry. I tried. Anyway. <laughs> Good job, Brian. That wraps up our questions. And that wraps up our show for today. Our music for this episode is a very special cover of a uh, very special piano cover. This is a Hikari cover, but it's not of the uh, regular version of Hikari that we always hear people playing on piano. This is specifically a cover of the Hikari Ray of Hope mix on piano. How did they do that? Just listen and you'll find out. It's real good, real nice. So this uh, is originally from Kingdom Hearts 2.8, if you don't know. Hikari Ray of Hope mix on piano. This comes to us from Narutimit77 Tilda. (laughs) I am not kidding. This guy is so talented, but he's got that name on YouTube. I'm so sorry, guy, but you got to change that name. It's got to be more uh, SEO optimized, search engine optimized. Uh, So Narutimit77 Tilda. This, this little squiggly line. Anyway, uh, our next episode of Kingdom Hearts Union is scheduled for the 4th of July. I don't know what we'll do for that show. I guess Kingdom Hearts is half done. Well, maybe we could do, maybe we could do like a pre-D23 a pre Pre-D23 episode. Okay, I'm done. But yeah, I guess that's what that's going to be. Uh, maybe we'll set off some fireworks. Uh, by the way, let me just say, side note, about Japan and fireworks. Oh my goodness gracious, can you buy fireworks here <laughs> in in just the convenience store? <laughs> like, I- I'll just say, the, the ones in my town, they're weak sauce. It's just like sparklers. But like, they also have straight up mortars that you can buy at the convenience store. They're just wow. there. Like stuff that you light that it will send off something into the air and explode and into a big flower like thing. That kind of firework, you can just buy that at like 7 Eleven. That's crazy <clears throat> and unheard of in America. I know it's a big deal in, in California. You, you, guys, you guys can't get fireworks there, right? Is it illegal I, there? Or you just have to go over the border? And well, I've seen, I've, I mean, I've seen people like light fireworks all the time. So yeah. I, I think that you can, but I think there's like a specific limit on what kind you can get. Like yeah. I've seen people obviously with sparklers. Yeah, 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 that's fine. But I don't think you can do any of the heavy stuff. Yeah. In Florida, you can, you can buy pretty much anything, but it, I think it depends on the town. But uh, at least in where where I lived, we had to drive out to some place called Dania, and they had like some some proper fireworks stores there, and they were the real deal. Uh, but you had before you got went in, you had to sign a waiver. You, you had to sign like a pretty serious waiver, uh, basically absolving them of all uh, culpability. And then once inside, you can buy pretty much anything. They've got they've got it all: mortars. Uh, explosives, anything you want. You can pretty much get anything there uh, short of TNT. <laughs> you can get it there. Um, but yeah, it, it was a much more serious thing. Like you, It was a specialty store that was in a different town that you'd had to go to. You had to sign a waiver. And then once inside, then you can buy stuff. Whereas here, it's like... Uh, you're only limited by the size of the store and how serious they are about putting stuff out. But I, okay. What I did not see is I didn't see any firecrackers. I did not see like 
things that were purely just explosives. These were all things that were, you know, beautiful. You know, things like uh, sparklers, of course, uh, several types of like fountain type fireworks, and then also stuff that shot into the air that emitted sparkles. Whereas in America, you can also buy things like M80s, cherry bombs, things like that, that are purely just to explode. So I guess they they don't, I, I have not seen those here. So that's just interesting side note if you're into fireworks. So anyway, uh, as always, you can subscribe to Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union on the iTunes store. Just search for Kingdom Hearts and we're number one. Yay. And of course, you can catch every episode at KingdomHeartsUnion.com or Kingdom Hearts Ultimania's Twitter, which is at, at KHUltimania or UltimateWeapon.com's Twitter, which is at UltimateWeapon.com. And uh, as always, if you guys like the show, please consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash FFKHUnion. And send us your questions via email to khuquestions at gmail.com. If we didn't get to your question on this episode, I'm so sorry. But you know why, because I took too long on one of them. So uh, we, we got some other questions that we can definitely answer. Uh, but yeah, uh, definitely send us more questions because we can always use more. Always, always, always. And send us emails with a whole bunch of questions. Also, try to avoid spoilers because we're trying to avoid spoilers. Uh, specifically spoilers about anything in 2.8. Those are still not so fair game yet because we want to make sure people have played those by now. Anyway, uh, so yeah, that pretty much wraps up our episode. Churro, say your goodbyes. Bye, guys. Thanks for joining in. And as always, thank you so much for your support. And actually, I've met a couple of... Uh, I met Satria, who's one of our Patreon supporters, oh, wow. at, at the concert. Oh, fantastic. He's a really nice guy, and hopefully I get to see him again soon. So thanks for uh, meeting with me at the concert. Awesome. Sweet deal. So, yeah. Uh, I'm Brandon, saying goodbye. This has been a KingdomHeartsUnion.com production. Mm-hmm.